Hello, everybody. We're here at the Be Free podcast series, and my name is Dr. Greg Allen. And my background currently, I'm a director of two youth nonprofit organizations, one called Freedom For You and another called Hearts Respond. And what we do is try to give teenagers a voice and help them grow in leadership, talent, release their creativity, help them find their passion in life. Uh, today, I'm joined with some significant uh, teens here to continue with this series talking about racial issues and what's happening in our country, but also we want to bring it into the local community and things they've experienced and some ideas of how we could make it better in our, in, in the South Bay area, Harbor area, you know, where we live or where we've lived. And so uh, we're going to kind of just go around and share a little bit and, and uh, go from there. So uh, does anybody like to uh, share something? about that they've experienced or gone through in terms of racial issues as you were growing up? Who would like to go second? <laughs> um, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll start. Uh, okay, Sarah. Should I, should I say my name and my race, I, say, I guess? Yeah, your first name and where, where'd you, where do you live or where you, where'd you go, what schools you went to or whatever story you want to tell is fine. So, yeah, I'm Sarah. Um, I'm an Asian American, specifically Korean and Chinese. And I've lived my entire life in Rancho Palos Verdes and through the PDP USD school district. And my experiences with racism have kind of varied. I remember as early back as elementary school, they weren't like, you know, hard on, like just blatantly racist things. But it would be, it would just be the smallest things like people making fun of what I ate for lunch or things like that. And that would kind of go on throughout um, elementary school. There were two instances of that in particular. Uh, once in kindergarten where that was like the first time that I really recognized that people saw you know something different about me whether it was just how I looked or the food that I brought to school and then another time in fifth grade um, going past that even just kind of throughout my academic career it's it's been um, kind of harmful to see this whole idea of a model minority myth kind of exists throughout the school system. There have been times where people will think that they're complimenting me and be like, oh, you're Asian, so you must be smart. Or kids will get, you know, excited to see that I'm part of their group project or something. And there's always kind of these expectations that I'll inherently be smarter or more reliable or superior to other students. And I just think that's a very dangerous, one, it's a dangerous thing. To, to tolerate, but two, it just kind of, it kind of builds this sense within the community of Asian Americans that there is some sort of superiority there. And we see that now especially, um, there's kind of this, this, this culture of anti-Blackness even, even within the Asian community. Mm. So this whole idea of the model minority myth is just that, it's a myth. Um, what is and that? Then, let, me, let me, Sarah, let me interrupt for a second. So can you say it again? What's that model minority myth? Yeah. Yeah. So there's this idea that particularly Asian Americans, if we want to get specific, typically Eastern Asians, like uh, Chinese people, Korean people, yeah. um, are, I guess, the model idea of what a minority citizen would look like. Oh. So when people view, so but if people were to view a successful minority 
the idea would immediately come to their mind that, oh, this would be an Asian person, which is a very harmful thing to perpetrate. Hmm. When in reality, it's, it just sows division within minority groups in America. So then the outcome of that is that the Asian kids feel like they're superior? Is that what you're saying? To, to a degree, you oh. know, because there's this idea that there's, there's an expectation has been put on them that they that they are on their way to be as successful oh, right, as right. white people. They're that they're that step ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, I understand that. Yeah. So everything's based on success really, you know, right, fi- yeah. really financial success or you know, employment for, you know. Yeah. So they're put placing a value on the person based on how how su- how successful they are work wise or career wise and that's where their value is versus who they are as a person. Or as an individual, as a human, yeah, that's that's yeah. Really interesting, different dynamic, yeah, unique. And it's it's really interesting too because as I've been trying to educate myself more, a common theme that's brought up is that this whole idea of being a model minority is truly just your proximity to to, to whiteness. If you have ingratiated yourself with people who are who are already privileged, then you yourself will inherently get some of that privilege in return. So this idea that there's some sort of distinction between minority groups is extremely harmful. Wow, that's a great thing to share. That's the whole, I mean, it makes total sense, you know. I've never heard it really explained that uh, in that way, that clearly. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. And then what you mentioned something about looking down or something against the African-American community. Yeah, for there's like this large history um, that uh, Asian people have kind of tolerated um, racism against black people within their own communities. Mm. Um, and it's something that people have like gone out of their way to try and distance themselves from. So they'll see like an auntie or uncle and They'll say some. They'll say some off remark about about a black person, and people go, "Oh, but we don't claim them as Asian. You know, they don't represent me as an Asian." Well, the fact still remains that they are an Asian, continuing this cycle of racism. So it's kind of on the community to to police police this police this sort of behavior and attack it head on instead of just trying to run away from it. So you're saying in the Asian community, so an Asian person who has darker skin is looked down on. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, my wife mm-hmm. is my wife is Asian and and dark, and she's told me that. I mean, that's a unique, not unique. I mean, that thing I've I've heard that happens in all these cultures. You know that the the color of the skin reflects on how people are looked at. Because even I know a guy who was in Kenya, Africa, and everybody's obviously well not everybody, but they're African American in the community they were in. But the, even the way they look at each other in terms of skin color, there's a class system or a, a ranking and a, you know, the discrimination. So would you say the word about community then? Community policing? Means like, what does that mean? Yeah, kind of just making, just holding each other accountable within the community. Yeah. Instead of just trying to, instead of just trying to distance yourself from it. Yeah, because then at that point, that's just a matter of you making things convenient for yourself. Yeah. And saying, I'm not a racist. I don't associate with him. Yeah, that's good. But it's it's more of a responsibility that you need to you need to be a part of the solution. Yeah, that's great. So I'm I'm just thinking, looking ahead enough in the future, 
like in terms of the what to do about this to make it better, that those themes would be great things to kind of instill into like young people, you know, community accountability, responsibility in your peer groups, especially if you're thinking of like elementary school kids teaching them that, right, or middle school kids to learn that, you know, before they get into teen years. Okay. All right. Thanks, Sarah. That's great. Anybody else want to share? I can go. Okay, Chloe. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of talk about, I mean, go after Sarah, because um, I don't know if a lot of you know, but I'm actually half Chinese, but my appearance is very, I don't look it very much. Um, so I've had some interesting experiences with people um, thinking they can act a certain way just because of how I look. And then even once they find out and I tell them my ethnicity, it's still, they still don't view me as such because of my appearance. Um, and so I kind of had faced these kinds of conversations with people a couple of times throughout my academic career where people would tell me that I'm not Asian just because of how I look. So people would tell me how to feel or tell me how to act based on my appearance. And so I had one encounter with um, someone a couple years ago and we were just getting lunch and someone got out of the car and it was an Asian man and she started referring to him by um, uh, a racial slur and I was taken aback because I didn't I had never really been in experience with that person specifically um, and so I told her I was like that's unacceptable to say and it's very offensive and, and she's like well who are you to say you're white and I was like well I'm actually not my half my mom's side of the family's from China and my mom was you know first generation American so you know I you know I was just <laughs> very flustered mm -hmm. and um, then she it the, the comment that I made about my ethnicity seemed to somewhat, um, it didn't really affect her. So she continued to use other racial slurs to other ethnic minorities throughout the conversation based on my appearance because she didn't feel that I was Asian enough to defend my own culture, if that makes sense. And so I've kind of faced that with different people in our community telling me how I should act because of how I look. So I thought that was an interesting point to discuss because even if it's, you know, some cultures appear like different ethnicities may shine through more in appearance and so just because mine you know isn't determined by the color of my skin and i do appear more white i do think that conversations need to be like there need to be conversations about how to act with how to you know conduct how to be respectful of other individuals yeah. ethnicities because yeah yeah I don't know. Yeah, and then we make assumptions. Based, we make assumptions based on just uh, skin color, what we see. Right. Yeah, that, and there's so many uh, multi-ethnic people now. Yeah. You know, there's so many mixed marriages of different ethnicities now that I mean, that's more, right. more and more of a problem. But again, people are just being biased based on what they see and not unaware of. Right. Yeah. 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 So though I may, I don't have, um, I have not been faced with. I, though, because I do appear white, I, you know, I have been put um, in a certain position where I do have a, a bit of privilege. And so I do recognize that, but I do think it's important for people to understand that just because your your appearance, it's important to take someone's full story into account and their entire ethnicity and really get to know them before making assumptions just on their appearance. It's yeah. the message I'm trying to convey, not that I've been faced with difficult, if that makes sense. Yeah. And how can someone know someone's full story? Right. How could they know that? Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think going off what Sarah said, having some somewhat a bit of accountability within the community. I mean, yeah. 
making sure that people, you know, there are some, I've been in conversations with my friends and they know my ethnicity, but yeah. then, you know, it's, it's okay to let some comments or slurs pass by just on someone's appearance. So I really think accountability and education is really where yeah. um, the solution yeah. is because if there's no accountability, then yeah, but all the education would be, you know, pointless. So. Right. So I think that, like you said, talking with these friends, they get to know. So I, I think the communication is important. People getting to hear each other's story, people talking with each other. So getting people in relationships together so they can actually hear each other's story and get to know who they are. Because if we don't talk to each other, they're, not, they're never going to know. You know, they'll just judge the book by its cover, so to speak. So definitely get that could be something going forward, getting people of different ethnic groups in relationship, in a group, talking, sharing, just like this, sharing stories, and then people opening up, hopefully people's eyes, people's minds, and then building, you know, and doing relationship stuff together will help mm -hmm. break down some of the barriers between them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, my wife is, uh, both her parents were two different ethnic groups, both parents. So she's got four different ones going on. So she's got like English and Thai and Chinese and like Singalese. So, but her experience was she, she was like, I don't fit in anywhere. <laughs> I never fit in anywhere because I'm kind of, people just judging me how I look, but they don't, you know, it's either. Right. So, so that's a challenge too, is which group you feel more close to or safer in. Okay. Hey, Anna, how about you? What, what would you like to share? Oh, where'd she go? Oh, there she is. Hi. Hi. Should I go next? Sure. Yeah. I'd love to have you. Okay. So I was never like called any like racial slur. I'm Egyptian, but I was born here. And I went to like a predominantly white school when I was in elementary school. So I kind of, like Sarah, I kind of got made fun of for the like the food I brought. And people, I feel like people would like look at me differently just because of my skin color and kind of judge me like like first impressions kind of like judge me off of like what I look like and so like a lot of the times I never felt like white enough or Egyptian enough I was kind of always just like in the middle mm -hmm. and that's kind of like a frustrating feeling when you feel like you can't ever like fit in yeah. so that's kind of what I struggled with with when I was like younger and like still to this day yeah that makes sense I know that that makes sense what how old are you now 16 okay and where do you go to school now Redondo Union. Okay. So Redondo's really a diverse campus uh, yeah. compared, compared to, because I've been on, compared to Maricosta or, or Palos Verdes or Peninsula. Peninsula's a little more diverse, but do you still feel that there? It's hard to. I just feel like around, like, kind of like the white groups, I feel like I can't really yeah. fit in as well. But I feel like I mostly struggled with that when I was, like, in elementary school because I did go to, a predominantly white school in Orange County. Oh yeah, yeah. I kind of suffered with that more when I was younger. Yeah, that makes sense. So you were, yeah, you stood out, you stood out there more. What town was that in Orange County? What? Oh, oh. I was in Lake Forest. Oh, Lake Forest. Oh yeah, yeah. That's very uh, Caucasian. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my uh, nephew's over at the community college over there. So, so as a young child in elementary school, you obviously felt like you didn't fit in, and mm -hmm. so did that make you feel kind of 
what's rejected or lonely. Yeah, like rejected, <laughs> left out, kind of just like yeah. stuck in a place where I couldn't relate enough to like the white people, but also couldn't relate enough to like Egyptian people because there weren't any Egyptians that went to my elementary right. school. I was like the only one. Yeah. Both your parents, same from Egypt, Egyptian? Yeah. Okay. And then what grade did you move to Redondo? Um, so I actually moved here um, when, I, when I was in fifth grade. Mm. So it was more like first through fourth grade that I was yeah. in Lake Forest. So, so it was better once you came to Redondo, was it a little bit? Or? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I still kind of feel left yeah. out sometimes just because people kind of, yeah. I feel like their first impressions are just to judge me off of my skin color sometimes and like treat me based like yeah. different based on what I look like. Yeah. But yeah. Can you think of any way we could get past that as people, as humans, you know, not, not judging someone on, you know, their skin color or what they look like initially? I feel like people should kind of, when you first meet someone, you should kind of um, judge them based off of their personality more than like what they look like. I know looks are like the first thing you see, yeah. but if we could kind of change um, how we like react to people when we first meet them, I think that would help a lot. And because some people just like judge people right off of what they look like and that can change the whole conversation and everything. So I think just um, more looking at people's personality and not as much their looks would help. Yeah. <clears throat> so that would be a good theme to have if we had some kind of educational, you know, assembly or something for elementary school kids, you know, or for middle school kids. That's, that's probably a good point right there. You know, get to know the person, don't just base, uh, based on their skin color, or, you know, try to see if their what background is or where they're from or, that's a, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. And then, um, is Effie there? Yeah, hi, I'm here. <laughs> Hello. Any, any, any story you'd like to share now? Yeah, one, yeah, one second. Can you hear me? Yes, you can go ahead. Yeah. How okay. old, how old um, are you? I'm 16. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so I also go to Palos Verdes High School, and I feel like the first time I actually, like, experienced, um, like, a blatant form of, like, racism was when the proposal came out, and it had a racial slur, like, um, plastered all over it. And I feel like, like before that like yeah you'd get the tiny little microaggressions where it was like oh like do you even have a dad or like commenting on your skin color like you know just little things like that but I feel like that was the first time when I was like wow like people actually see me this way or like there's some people who actually think this way and there's some people who um I don't know you know are just like blatantly racist and um yeah I feel like that's just like the first time that we actually saw that on campus, and that was the first time I actually experienced it myself. So, how, how did you? Yes, that's my little experience. Yeah, how did? Yeah, one of the one of the girls talked about that too in the, uh, the last meeting. But how did you? How did you feel the students reacted to that? Like overall, like how did you feel that they were, you know, when that when they found out about that? Your peers, you know, other teenagers. How did you? How did you, you? How did they react to that? How was that for you? 
there's nothing. Um, hello? Yeah. Okay. Hello? Yes. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, um, I feel like the student reaction was pretty good. I feel like everybody kind of stood up for the black community on campus and it was kind of just nice to see everybody like you know taking a stand and not um kind of not protecting the people who yeah good that's good yeah that's letting them know that this like you won't stand yeah yeah. Your audio is breaking up there. No, I know. Hey, Effie, are you moving around? Oh, F.A. Maybe she's moving around. So maybe... Uh, so Chloe, how was that for you last year? You were at PV last year when that promposal came out. Anything? How was that experience for you? Um, it was. It was definitely. It definitely showed me that, like like Ife, um, it really showed me how apparent. Like I, I had thought about it based on little microaggressions that Ife was saying that I could see in the community, but I think it definitely showed me how apparent. Oh, Ife's gone. Um, different, different people view different ethnic groups, and it really showed me that the community, different people don't always understand or have the education or understanding of what different terms mean or how it is really inappropriate and incorrect to treat someone that way. And it really, um, it was, I don't want to say eye-opening because it wasn't like a good experience, but it really, I don't know. I was able to kind of see in a bigger picture how um, prominent these issues are, especially in our community, because we are in a pr predominantly white community. So, um, and that's what, kind of what I was saying earlier, how, you know, because I do appear as white, some people feel more comfortable saying those slurs around me. And it's something that, you know, once I do tell them my pat like my his my family's ethnicity, they still don't care. So, I think that goes back to what Sarah was saying at the beginning of this, that there really needs to be better education about this and um, um, accountability because without it, um, then yeah, there's no progress. And I think that also shows what Ife was saying too about the microaggressions that even little things, they kind of feed into one another. And if we're not taught how to um, tackle those microaggressions and respond to those to say that they're not okay, then those microaggressions will only turn into, you know, something bigger, such as a very racist proposal. So, yeah, that's kind of what I realized, that this really has a direct reflection on the community and people's behaviors. But I do think it showed, like, a po I don't want to say positive, but it, a lot of people were brought together through the community. Yeah. And um, quite a few people did recognize that that's not something we want our community to, you know, be seen as. Yeah, that's great. So there's generally a good response you felt from students and the administration of the school. And yeah, I remember hearing about that, the principals going to the classroom talking to people. Yeah. It's pronounced Ife. Yeah, it's Ife. <laughs> hey, you came back good. Yeah. So let's look ahead at what do you think we could do to make things better in our local community. Ife, you got any ideas what we could do going forward, like this year or next year? What 
teens that care could maybe do to improve racial relations? Um, I definitely think that it all starts with an education. Like it starts with educating the students on how, on the history behind those words, on the history behind things like slavery. And like, although those are tough conversations to have, I think once you have them and once people understand the root of the hurt and the pain behind those words, um, there becomes an understanding. And then from there, like, I just feel like people would be more inclined to understand other people's perspectives and, you know, stop those, um, stop like making racially charged um, attacks on people of color. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Great input. Yeah. So education and then history of words. I, I like that. And uh, understanding the root of the pain of, of the words. I think that's really, that's another great point to emphasize. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Anna, you got any ideas what we could do to make things better going forward? I totally agree with the education thing because I think if we're all more educated about like um, where these like hurtful words come from people would be more mindful when they use them or like, not being as inclined to use those words because it's it, it can be very hurtful to some people even like if like Chloe for example like she may not look um, Asian at all but like even like I understand um, how people can still be hurt by it and how people can use it around people who don't look like their race at all. And I don't think that's okay um, to use those words just for fun or just at all. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Words. I like that. That's a real specific thing. You know, it's the way we communicate, but I, I think I did, that's really good. And then get it. And then, uh, Sarah, do you have any other like practical things looking ahead, like yeah. the, your school could do or we could do in the community or to try to make things better? I definitely agree with the idea that we need to have um, more more education surrounding these types of topics. Mm -hmm. I think when when PV had uh, Dr. Tyner and they had required um, talks about racial bias in every classroom, that was that was great. But at that point, it becomes a little bit too late when it's just kind of a disaster response huh. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I think going further, um, all school districts, but especially PVP USD, really has to make um, a dedicated effort to just try and hire more teachers and educators of color. Because at least in my experience, I could probably count on maybe one hand, you know, all of my teachers that I've had throughout elementary school, middle school, and high school that, that are people of color. And even on, you know, just having greater diversity in education, um, my first knowledge of what a gay person was or what the LGBT community is came from fourth grade because my teacher was um, open about her relationship with her wife. And that like stirred trouble within the parents. But to me, that was just a lesson in, in empathy and being understanding and being more tolerant of others. Mm -hmm. So I think by having more teachers that can share their experiences starting from a young age and kind of getting that initial understanding of diversity going before it's too late, I think is super important. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. That's a good point. I guess uh, someone read a statement that the last uh, podcast we have that the PVP USD put out a statement saying, you know, they're very supportive of all races and you know, everybody's accepted and included. And the, and the students were saying how that we have to, you know, we, everybody's kind of hold them accountable to the statement they said, you know, that they want to, you know, make a difference. And, but th that's interesting though, hiring teachers of color. I haven't heard that also as an idea. Yeah, I think once you get once you get to like if there's a race of people you're not familiar with, you've never met or been around, then there's like a fear and a misunderstanding, and definitely there could be a judgment or even all the way to racism involved. <clears throat> but once you get to know someone, like I changed high schools from like I was going to PV, then we moved to DC, uh, so I was in Northern Virginia, and there was all these other students there from different ethnic groups that I'd never even hung out with. So it was so good to get to meet other people. And then it just normalized everything. We're just people in school with the same teachers and same sports and the same activities going on. So getting, I think the key is forming relationships too, getting to know other people really helps a lot. So that would fit with you if you had a teacher for different, you know, ethnicity too, you'd, you'd hear their experience probably. Yeah. And I think like even that, that would just increase accountability for students. Because if it, you know, the reason why the proposal probably happened is because that behavior was tolerated for so long that they thought it was okay. Yeah. But um, my my Spanish teacher was one of two Hispanic or, or Latino teachers that I've had in my, in high school or yeah throughout my school career, and she was the one to call out kids who were being who were making you know ignorant remarks about um, like just making stupid comments about like Mexican drug cartels and everything. And their friends aren't gonna call them out on that. So it's important to have teachers and people in leadership positions who aren't afraid to kind of put them in their place. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. Yeah. Um, and going off of that, Sarah, I was actually reading an article, I don't know how long ago, but definitely during the past couple months about how different schools, specifically in the South will like take in textbooks or like buy textbooks that have altered history. So I think that goes back to what Ife and you Sarah are saying about having, you know, more incorporate um, the history of these ethnic ethnicities and races and like the meanings behind these words. But I also think it's important to hire teachers who are willing to correct, you know, that history that might be have been altered in the textbooks that were bought by the school or, you know, they're buying textbooks to intentionally hide the past of, you know, uh, I don't know, different time periods that were deemed as very hurtful and harmful and um, horrible time periods. Um, but these textbooks are altering how they're taught. And so I think it's important to not only teach um, about the past, but teach the correct history and, and open a discussion about what actually happened and kind of backtrack and rethink, okay, well, did we actually teach them what, what happened? Or are we just trying to suppress the idea of the horrible, you know, suppress the, yeah. the bad idea? So, if that, yeah. That's good. I imagine there's going to be a lot of uh, positive changes. I'm hoping to come out of all the what's happening in our, in our country right now. This is pretty, I mean, I, I was alive in the 60s when there was a lot of demonstrating going on everywhere, at every college campus, everywhere. People were in the streets. It's kind of like now, only it was even more because it was against the war. And the war went out and everybody's, everybody's older brother, not everybody, but were, was, were getting killed in this war. And uh, 
and then they had the draft too. So whether you wanted to go or not, you got taken for a lot of people. So it was really a difficult time. And so people were demonstrating. So a lot of changes can happen. So I think I think there's going to be, I'm hoping, good changes happening. So this, well, what I'm hearing from you today, this group, is uh, education is big. Change in education, what you're teaching kids, history, history of ethnicities, history of culture, history of meaning of words, and uh, and putting that out and then having a different, more diverse teaching teachers could relate differently too. And I just love the community accountability, responsibility. You know, I, I learned from a school counselor that the last few years, you know, there's been a lot of training in school about bullying with kids, right? Don't be a bully, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school. But the last few years, uh, a lot of the, all the, uh, all the main emphasis of bullying education is not on don't be a bully or uh, don't let someone bully you. It's on the bystander, right? It's like, you know, if you see bullying going on, do something. Don't sit there passively while it's happening. And so that's what been kind of the educational focus for like the middle schools and a lot of schools is the, the bystander aspect. So, you know, report it, protect someone, defend someone kind of emphasis. So I, I could see that happening here with this too, you know, with the racial issues is the bystanders are important. Those that are, are they going to say nothing, ignore it or do something about it, you know, or stand up for someone else or protect them. I think that's an important emphasis, yeah. Anybody else have anything else they wanna, any other ideas or things you wanna share? Um, I also think that if you yourself are educated about racism, it's really important that you spread awareness about it to people who aren't as educated about it. Because I understand that teachers can do that, that the school can do that, but I feel like you yourself can also spread awareness through like social media or talking to your friends like anything like that, I think you yourself can definitely spread more awareness about this whole issue. That's great. That's great. Good way to get the point out. So social media, talking with you. Everybody's posting a lot of stuff on social media now. Yeah. But then, yeah, I think the, you know, you know, who knows if people are going to start getting books and reading them, like it's being suggested on some postings. They might. But I think sharing with your friends is good because people you know, people that know you, the personal communication, I think that's really important. And yeah. sure, I, I think that's happening. It's spreading, but definitely going forward. And I think we're just going to have to keep highlighting these issues because things may calm down in the country and then, you know, whatever, in a few weeks or a month or something, and then there's less protesting. And, and then it could be forgotten as a theme of racial relations, racial discrimination, you know, as a problem. And But I think we have to keep, what I'm going to do is keep, it's you guys leading the way. <laughs> like everything I've done with my Freedom For You group, it's really, it's, I, I, I get it from teenagers. So it's in your hearts, it's in your spirits, whatever you feel strong about or care about or want to do or think's important. And I just kind of go with the flow of what's happening. So what I saw with all the, and I was talking with Chloe, with there's so many teens that, that, are, that care about what's happening right now. So there's definitely an emphasis well, one, one way I look at it is compassion. There's an emphasis of compassion. People care about other people being hurt and being treated wrong. You know, yes, there's anger about the, the injury happening, but I also see a lot of uh, compassion and caring for humanity, and that's a wonderful thing. And so I want to try to highlight it, expand it, grow it, <clears throat> and then finding ways to reduce the amount of 
negativity that's out there in terms of race relations and judging people by how they look and all. But definitely voices like yours have to be heard and all your ideas have to be expressed. And that, that's why we're doing this podcast. And it's kind of, we'll see where this goes. And, but I, I can see us getting like a community action team group like next year, because the, the, I have relationships in the communities, even though people may not want to talk to me now. No, probably not. But relationships to try to get, get the voices heard more. You know, and there's, there's probably dozens and dozens and dozens of teenagers that want to speak, you know, and make a difference and make a change. And so maybe the places, you know, yeah, we can tell adults they should be different than we will, but also talking to other teens or but the younger kids be good to even just think of elementary school kids. If you could be able to share with them some of your stories, some of your feelings, the things that are important, so it would be awesome for them because little kids are so open uh, mm-hmm. to receive and you can influence them and they may not be getting that education information somewhere else. So yeah. I, definitely, I definitely want to look there and middle school kids too, you know. I agree. Yeah, I actually, um, this year I did a study with through AP Research, which is a class at our school, and I researched how the portrayal of like racial stereotypes mm-hmm. impacts implicit bias. It was a very interesting study that um, basically I was looking at sitcom shows, so like TV sitcoms and comedy, and how the portrayal of certain jokes impacts how that joke is interpreted. And so people, I mean, the moral of the study and my conclusions was that like people are very susceptible to what they see on the media and it has a big influence on how we perceive others. Um, and so kind of, I think what you're saying is there's so many people posting on social media right now um, and people are using that to their advantage and teaching people and spreading awareness. So I think it goes even, you know, as far back as like elementary school, even the movies that were shown, even on like a Friday movie time, like those influence, you know, that one hour movie could have a huge impact on how you see someone else. So I think going all the way back to elementary school and showing movies that, you know, have more diversity in them and opening up discussions to create a community where people feel comfortable to express their feelings but also learn from others is really important so yeah I think this whole the theme of the conversation is definitely education but using it using media and tv shows and books um to to spread awareness and to the advantage of you know others that's awesome yeah and just as the media was used for negativity or to, to promote you know racism uh, you can use the media to reverse that, to change it. And Chloe is a real life changer here. She's a real starter of different kind of themes and organizations. Do you want to talk about your, just real quick, your Z magazine, what it is? Oh, yeah. Ife is the other creator. So, oh, yeah. Because why don't you go ahead and say what that is and where people can access it or look at it. Check it out. Um, well, Z Magazine, oh, Chloe, do you want to go? <laughs> no, go ahead. Take it away. Um, okay, so Z Magazine was built to be a lifestyle, um, culture, and fashion magazine for Gen Z, made by Gen Z. Um, that's our biggest thing, is that we're creating it for our generation, and it's something that they can kind of, like, it's something that, where we can elevate and highlight creators in our generation who are just doing dope things like activists, um, designers, like artists, singers, every like, you know, all types of things. And I feel like right now, like with our Instagram platform, we are really just using it to highlight what's going on with racial injustice. And I feel like moving forward, we definitely want to incorporate more of that into the magazine and what it's about and ways to access it. You can access it through our website and it's for now it's online, but we're 
um, hopefully going to make it into a print moving forward. Yes. And our website is zmagazine, oh, zmagazine.com. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ife, yeah, I didn't realize you're the, the person working with Chloe on that. Yeah, I've seen your posting. <laughs> I've seen you before, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I knew your name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think that's awesome, though. I mean, there's you guys have so much uh, passion inside of you, and your hearts are such an awesome place combined with your minds. And uh, you have the ability to cause change. You really do in your culture and adult culture in the world. So I want to give you guys, you know, a, a platform so your voice can be heard. You know, it's going to be heard through this and it's great. And we're going to combine it with other, other youth and definitely try to make, make the world a better place for sure. So I want to thank you all for participating in our Be Free series here. And um, I'll be in touch and we'll continue going forward, making hopefully positive change you want to all say goodbye at the same time okay all yeah bye-bye right. bye. 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 thanks a lot Thank you. We'll see you <laughs> all right